Will you do the pose for us? Will you do it? <laughs> it's so good. Um, so if you're gonna mock my book, you could at least tell everybody the title. What? <laughs> I feel like we could do like a social media campaign. But you genuinely look so good on the cover of the book. And that's a thing for you. You don't like being on the cover of your own books. It took a and, long time. And, By the way, the book is called The Way of the Warrior, An Ancient Path to you, Inner Peace. Yes, The Way of the Warrior, An Ancient Path to Inner Peace. <laughs> Which would just be a book that just is The Way of the Warrior. Aaron, please listen to your father. <laughs> well, um, you're right. For 20 years, I was never on the cover of my books. Ever. And you're the one that really drove me to do that. Yeah. And um, it was not an easy like psychological decision, but I think it's been important. Uh, to do that because really my books are very connected to my story and uh, I'm not writing as a researcher I'm writing as a writer who is a liver of life a huge part of that conversation too was your your names don't make sense no it's pretty funny so, yeah I mean it's more true now but when I was in my 30s and 20s when people would hear the name Irwin McManus they'd always yeah. be shocked uh, when they'd see me and they go we thought you're gonna be like this old bald guy yeah. And and uh, I, now I'm old. At least I'm not bald. But um, but even when I was yeah. in my 30s, no one imagined a, a Latino or you know a guy who's Spanish, more um, you know um, I guess international. And and it's kind of funny. So my name always was a misbrand because it's an alias. It's not my real name. It is my real name now. But Erwin is German. McManus is Irish. And you know I'm I'm Spanish. It's so funny. And, and this is the beginning, or this is the second kind of installation of, what, what was the genre that we dubbed the genre that you were creating, like a heroic narrative? Yeah, it, it really is, um, the, really the narrative of my writing is, is, a, is it's a heroic narrative. Right. That um, I spend my life trying to awaken the hero inside of people and I see um, spirituality as, um, as a heroic journey to our true self, to our most human self. And, and I thought it was interesting because one, one of the publishers actually responded saying he's, he's created his own genre. And I thought it was one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. I thought that was really beautiful. I want to create my own genre. I want to create a yeah. genre where spirituality is seen as essential for everyday life. Yeah. Um, not religion and not the Christian life, but what it means to be the essence of being human. And so kind of, I have this book and I have another notebook full of notes of we just spent the last, I guess, what, 36 hours breaking down your book chapter by chapter, creating a behind the scenes kind of view of not just what's in the chapter, but really what isn't in the chapter. And you mm -hmm. created, was it, I think it was eight to 12, I think some of them might've been 14 minutes long uh, around each of the eight chapters. I'm really excited about the video, video content. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I get to talk about the backdrop of the chapters and some yeah. of the thinking that that informs the chapters. <laughs> I'm not just repeating what's in the chapter, but I'm I'm, like, I'm setting up the chapter. So the last book, The Last Arrow, it starts almost more in a painful place and ends with battle ready, like you're gearing up for war. This actually starts from a place where you're trying to achieve peace and then it ends in, in, in how do you stand against pain. There's this like really interesting thing that you almost flipped the, the construct of the book. Or, or, or your pattern of the book, or your structure of the book. Why did you? Is there? Have you? Did you think to that at all, or did that happened? No, that's a really great insight. But I, I think maybe it's because the reality is that the battle is never over in this life. Wow. 
that we're always going to have to face new challenges, new problems, um, new struggles. And you, you know, you can feel like you have peace and then suddenly you, you lose that peace. Mm. And you can feel like, oh, I, it wouldn't be great if peace was like a state of being where you arrive and you never lose it ever again. Yeah. Wow. It would be a beautiful thing. And, and yet there's always going to be something that goes to war against your peace. Like, I just want you to stop and just like identify inside of yourself because you'll identify it for so many people. Like, what are some of the things you would say practically like steal peace from your own life? I mean, I think so many things are people. Like it's, it's a lot of it's rooted in relationship and mm -hmm. how healthy a relationship is, but on so many different facets, right? Like you have relationship with your mom or your dad and, and my relationship with my mom has been something that's grown over time. And she's someone who's so intense and so confident and, and deals with a lot of the same insecurities that I deal with. More of like a mirror image of, of, of the things that I, or my weaknesses or her weaknesses. And we've really had to learn how to, not, not how to love each other, but how to like work hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But even just friendships and, and people who work for you or people on teams or how do you, how do you stay at peace with all men? And I think that was, it's interesting that you write a book on this and maybe I, I guess it must have been in my subconscious, but I felt like the thing that, the theme that is over my life this year is how to stay at peace with all men. Mm. And it happened around, I felt like God, we've been talking about a lot of like how to hear God's voice. Mm. And I think it's something that's been really fascinating. Eric Johnson said something about if we're Christians who only seek to be in his presence, then we're missing the whole purpose of Jesus. Like it's one thing to be in God's presence, but another thing to actually do what God's telling you to do. At least is what I, I'm not quoting him verbatim, but it was like the idea of this thing. And it was a brilliant message. And it's been really like helped me think. And we were at conference and stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who kind of like poured it out, like poured his heart out to me about stuff that was going on in his life with him and his, him and his wife and, and real things. And, and, and then had, he then he told me, oh, there's all, also, by the way, there's all these people saying really bad things about you. <laughs> Just gotta let you know. And I felt like it was that moment where I had to decide whether I was gonna be a peaceful person or go to war with all of these people. And, and someone really smart who I do care about a lot said that was it the path to, um, to, to uh, the path of wisdom is peace. Mm -hmm. and, and achieving peace and achieving wisdom is, 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 it goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. That a wise person achieves peace. Yeah. I think the reality is that all of us have expectations of life, expectations of others, and expectations of ourselves. Whenever those expectations are not met, we begin to lose our peace. When, um, when other people don't meet a standard that we expect, we, we are, we're at risk of losing our peace. When you're in a relationship and maybe the other person isn't as in as you, or maybe things aren't working out right, that steals your peace. Or um, you might be at peace and suddenly you lose your job and that steals your peace. And, and, and I think we have to realize that every day there are gonna be things that happen to us and we can't actually allow our circumstances or the outside environment to steal our peace. We have to realize that our peace is ours to hold on to and that we, um, we're less powerful when we give up our peace, when we, stand in peace, when we have peace in our inner world, we can actually face really difficult, challenging, um, even violent circumstances and never respond 
in the way that other people do because we actually step into those situations from our piece, not without our piece. So good. I'm pulling up a verse, but keep going. I thought you were texting a friend. No, 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 no. <laughs> my, my phone's in airplane mode. But I was looking up a verse because I really wanted to, oh, this was it. It was James three thirteen through 18. And it said, if you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God, advertise it with a beautiful, <coughs> fruitful life guided by wisdom's gentleness. Wow. And, and it said further down, it said, but the wisdom from above is always pure, filled with peace, considerable, considerate and teachable. It is filled with love and never displays prejudice or hypocrisy in any form and is always and it always bears the beautiful harvest of righteousness god's seeds of wisdom's fruit will be planted with peaceful acts by those who cherish making peace mm. and i just thought that was something that was so like even for because you were talking about all the different things that kind of disrupt our peace like you know i think so many times especially with young people me i know like being in new york and being like i don't know what my next job is i don't know how i'm going to pay for rent I don't, you know, and, and being in that season was trying to do it on my own and not taking a lot of help from anyone and realizing like how something so small, um, what, what it felt like so small was actually something that was so huge. Mm. And I think we take for granted the things that, that keep us in peace, that seem small, that seem just like natural. And you realize for most of the world and most of culture, those are the things that are disrupting their lives and, and weighing so heavy mm. on their life. They're not able to get to a place to think even um, at a deeper level or feel at a deeper level because they're still having, they're still so suffocating by the everyday task that is disrupting their life, right? And then how, I think it just makes me realize how blessed I am and, and that seems cheesy, but. No, it's good. You know. One of the things you said that actually struck me, it came to my mind when you're reading the passage and kind of unwrapping it was that there's a difference between being right and being wise. Hmm. And you can be right but not wise if you're not coming from a place of peace. And so you can actually be right in an argument with your wife, or you can be right in an argument with a coworker, or you can be right in an argument with a friend. But if you're not coming from a place, place of peace, you'll be right, but you won't be wise. Mm -hmm. Because right wins the argument, but wise wins, wins the person. And if we can make the shift in our life from wanting to be right to wanting to be wise, from wanting to win the argument to wanting to win the person, it'll change everything in our life. It's so interesting. I feel like, I don't know, because how real can we be? Just to be as real as you want to be. be real. We can cut it out later. <laughs> no, we keep the real part. Keep the real part? We cut out the fake. Okay. <laughs> no, I think a huge thing, because that conference, that mo I kind of cite, like just babbled on about that conference and kind of what it's been. But I feel like that was a moment, our conference, Mosaic, and Mosaic's conference in, in November, was a kind of a huge turning point, at least in my life, too. I feel like I've been trying to achieve peace, and I always joke that you've like, uh, achieved enlightenment because you're such a calm person, you're such a wise person, and you genuinely always take the, the, um, the weak hand. You, you never, you're never like, forceful, you're never controlling, you're never... Um, and I am all of those things. <laughs> I think it's, and, and we, you know, it goes back to that moment where I really felt like in the church world or in the Christian world or like most of my problems, which is ironic, or haters or people who talk badly, most of it comes from Christians. Mm -hmm. And how do we, like, and then I read a Bible 
the Bible, <laughs> not a Bible, but I read the Bible and I, and I pray and I try to hear God's voice and I often wonder if, they're, if they like listen to the same God that I listen to. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or if they read the same Bible I read. And I always find it so fascinating that, I can, that people can speak on other people's lives or situations so casually and cavalier without the actual um, acknowledgement of the ramifications of their words and, and the spreading of that. And I had a really interesting conversation with someone in Seattle. And I say this because I felt like the conversation went really well. And I was like, you can be brush fire. <laughs> like your words can destroy things or your words can be like the greatest, create the greatest buzz and rumor of something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And how do you address, how do you not go to war and protect yourself in moments where you really just need to bring peace? And, and what are those moments in that you, how do you choose, right? Yeah, I think one thing is that when you are actually at peace, you simply just don't engage in slander and gossip and malice because yeah. it just doesn't come out of you. Mm. Because when, when there's peace within you, you want to bring peace to other people. And I, I mean, it, it would be so easy to spend your life identifying everything wrong with everybody else. But if you're spending your life doing that, it means that all you're trying to do is hide all the wrong inside of you. Mm. And when you're at peace with yourself, and I made the decision years ago because, I mean, I would get maligned and slandered and gossiped so, about all the you time. You death threats. Oh, death threats. Yeah, those are real. And, um, and I just decided a long time ago that I would believe that God is my defender. And so if I did something wrong, I would own it. If I made a mistake, I would own it. Um, or there were shortcomings in my life, I would just own it. And I feel like... If I own it, it makes those people powerless. And, um, and it's hard to say to yourself, I'm like, God, defend me. Because there were times in my life, I just wanted to go and defend myself and take care of the problem. And because um, it's funny. Because we're Latin. I know, because I'm just going to be straight up. Uh, I don't know. Um, a lot of times Christians have the courage to say really horrible things about people because they, they are believing that person actually is a Christian. They won't come and, and, uh, the, and, and, and beat the, uh, the you know, uh, out of them. And, uh, and so there are times I just go, oh man, and everything inside of me wants to defend myself. Everything inside of me wants to yeah. uh, fight back. Yeah. And then I realize, oh, wait a minute. That person is a person who has no joy. Mm. See, I can tell you the moment a person slanders or gossips or talks about someone else, that person has no joy. Because I can say, when I am full of joy, when I am fully alive, I don't have time or desire or inclination to say anything negative about anybody in the world. It's only when I'm unhappy with my life do I find the energy to be unhappy about someone else's life. Yeah. And I think this is a huge cultural problem. There's so much social media where everybody's so attacking much. each other and destroying each other and maligning each other and trying to find everyone their worst moments and going, this is, a, this is not just a movement of gossip and slander and malice. This is a massive epidemic of unhappiness because only unhappy people do that. It's so interesting. Yeah, but I think it, it, like, it perpetuates from the overall, and it stems from the, the overall culture of like, where it roots from. And not, like, even just from the shows of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, right? Like, I'm not, like, nothing bad about them, but just that is the culture of like, we, we spend our lives watching other people's lives happen. They're brilliant. They've created a show 
where they just live their lives. <laughs> like it's, they're the geniuses on, on that level, right? And, but then I think we become like, near, uh, what is it, spectators yeah. of, the, of like every person's life. But I want you to remember something. Slander can't hurt you unless you actually are trying to elevate as a person. See? No, but it hurt, but it physically hurts me, right? Or, yes, I know what I'm saying is the reason it hurts you is because you actually want to be a better person. Right, I was just living <laughs> in, that, in the substandard. You'd be like, oh, yeah. you're just telling me exactly what I am. Yeah, I was hey, listening to was. someone on television say <laughs> that they were asked, well, hey, what about all your casual sexual partners? They said, I'm good with it. And I realized, look, if you're good with it, it doesn't bother you when people say it. Yeah, yeah. So part of the reason that it actually is hurtful is it's people trying to keep other people the way they used to be. Right rather than allowing them to become who they're aspiring to be as a person. Right. And I actually watched that interview with you. I know who you're talking about. Yes. And but, I like but, him a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, no, I'm going to say the name because he's public and he yeah. put it out there, but it's Dak Shepard. Yeah, I was Bell. so impressed by his. But, but in the context of it, he was saying, uh, it was a conversation between him and Kristen Bell right. and that he, and I don't know their lives and I don't know them. I hear lovely things. I think friends of friends, but but he said, I had gone through like an AA program, mm -hmm. like, right? Like he had gone through like yeah. a 12 step program and they said that the program that he went through taught him to release it all. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think that's where I'm like, that's where I think a bit of the conversation and you talked about this. And so he basically said, I released it all in this program mm -hmm. and I outed myself about all the things that shamed me and guilted me and made me feel yeah, unclean. So and it was really powerful. He wasn't saying I'm good with it, he's saying, yeah. I know that I'm not that person anymore. Right, and that's what and you have to do. You have to go, um, one, if you still are that person and you're good with it, it isn't gonna bother you anyway. Right. And if you used to be that person, but you're no longer that person, you don't have to live in that. And I think that's like, that's the interesting thing that we're, that I'm dealing with and that I think a lot of people are dealing with and that it is, I am not who I used to be, but I still, but that, but they still have my number. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> And that like, that I still exist in a world where, you know, my, all of my past is, you know, whether it's a decade out or, or years out, like I'm not who I was, but I'm definitely living in the ramifications of like, of the past, right? Of people who think they know things or, and I try to be as open as you possibly can when people ask like, was this, you know, what happened or what, you know? And I'm like, look, I was, an, I was a really broken person and really dealt with really broken things and and how do you, and a lot of that was self-worth and, and, and lack of identity and, and, and also going if, if and, this, and this isn't to blame Christians, but it was going if, if, if these are all the rules you play by, but you're still like these soulless, like vile creatures that judge me anyways, I'm, I, get a, I think the other half is, has something that we don't, that we, the other side has something that we don't know. Yeah, I think a part of you was, you were trying so hard to be a good person and you were always being judged and you were never good enough in your mind. Yeah. And so you thought, hey, if you're gonna judge me anyway, I might as well go ahead and be everything you think I am. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, <coughs> yeah, that was probably a bit too true. And yeah. I, and I, you know, and I, and I, I put people through tough situations. I put you through a lot and, and, and I'm grateful for the people who said, you know, had my back. And, but even with that, it caused a lot of internal rage. It caused a lot of warring inside of who I knew I was supposed yeah. to be. And, and who I was trying to be, but who I was unable to like achieve. And even now in relationships with people going, I mean, there's, you know, you, you'll be like, well, there was someone who was talking about you. And that's the ironic thing. There's other pastors, kids, and there's others, Christians who, who spend more time talking about 
us and, and not even like us, we stay pretty far off. Like I've been off social media for a month. You asked us to fast and I, and I fasted social media and it's been like the most incredible thing. It was weird for the first week. And then I realized like how much noise there was in my life. And there can be so much goodness. Like, like I'm sure there's friends that I haven't hung out with because we haven't been DMing each other. Like, <laughs> they funny probably stories. think you ghosted. I know. I probably. I know. I was like, shoot. I should have like really let people know before it happened. But, <laughs> um, but it's been one of it's been like an ideological shift for me that if I want to see someone, I actually have to like reach out. And for me, someone who's borderlines introversion, I like I will be isolated. Like the first couple weeks, I was like, oh, I, all my friends are busy and I don't know what anyone else is doing and who's available. And so it became this thing where I'm having to like outreach and figure, reach out to people and going, okay, what's going on, you know? Well, I love the saying that you're not who you used to be and you're not who you're gonna be. Right, <laughs> that funny, <laughs> that like really churchy saying though. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's all right, I just went with, <laughs> with churchy saying, you know, 101. Yeah. And, but, um, but here's the thing too, I think what we learn is we need to give other people grace. Yeah. Like. We need to treat other people with the same level of grace and compassion and hope for their future as we yeah. want people to give us. And the only way we can change the pattern is by being different to ourselves. And, and so my advice would be to, for people, for yourself, for anyone mm -hmm. who's struggling with this stuff is one, um, just like own your journey. The yeah. Bible's full of people who are the prodigal sons and daughters. And yeah. you know, God never seems to um, hold us um, in our past, but always sets us free to our future. And so what I'd say is like, just own the fact that you're imperfect, never argue about that, but don't let other people hold you to your past. Mm. And, and don't let it also in, in, inflame you or cause you to have rage or anger because then they own you. Yeah. Then they're controlling your emotions and listen to the people who love you. Look, you got so many people saying positive things about you, yeah. and uh, and there are people. I I, I remember this. I, I'll bet you it was like 20 years ago. Rick Warren actually said to me, "Erwin, I remember this." Yeah. <laughs> he said, "If I actually responded to all the haters, all I would do every day of my life is respond to haters." <laughs> <coughs> and I'm like, right. who hates Rick Warren? Right. He's, you know, the nicest guy in the world wearing uh, Hawaiian shirts that lives in Orange County and, yeah. you know, and trying to make the world a better place. But the reality is that if you try to do anything good in life, and if you try to be a better person in life, you're always going to have haters. If you try to create a better world, you're always going to have haters. And, and, uh, and I one time heard someone actually hating on Mother Teresa. And I thought, that wow, make any sense. wow, I mean, you have enough time in your life to find something wrong with Mother Teresa. You need, you need a life. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, like, what are you, um, you going to say? No, no, I was going to say I was, I was driving and I think there's been a frustrating situation in my life where some, some people have spoken like poorly on me years ago, I think because I was attached to, to people who they didn't like and, 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 and it's the irony of like, if they had really known, I actually wasn't that close with those people. And I quickly realized that what was actually going on in those situations and, and, and nothing like heavy or dramatic, but just that they weren't like the people I should be hanging with. And, and, but it's interesting how proximity brings um, this label 
when you're when you're spending time with certain people or you're you're in photos with certain people or you're in connection with certain people how people just immediately group you with them and put their feelings towards those people with you and thinking that they know you and they've never known you and I, I've, I've tried to say this as much as possible to people I'll always speak of my past to the people that I care about if they want to know anything I'll tell sure. them um, I just have but I I know for a fact that those people don't know anything about me because they've never talked to me you know what I mean yeah it's funny this week I told your mom early on 25 30 years ago I had people who really like were antagonistic to me because they saw me with other people. It's crazy. And they despised those people or had an offense against that, those people or they were adversarial toward those people. I didn't even know. Years later, I said, what in the world happened? Why did you react to me this way? Or why did you do yeah. this? And they would say, well, we saw you with that person. And so we yeah. assumed you were in their camp. And I didn't even know there were camps. Oh, that's the interesting thing. <laughs> I, had, <coughs> I had a, this is like the dark side of church, right? I had there's a, a new there's a pastor who was starting a new church this year this last year, and they moved to the states and they said we had no idea that there were sides, <laughs> and, I, and I was like what? And they're like yeah they they had no idea that there was like these different kind of like sides and if you were part of this team you couldn't go speak in these places you're part of these places you couldn't go speak in this places and I was like well we don't have guest speakers at Mosaic very often so you can always be on our side and you just want to speak but we will always want friends and I think a bit of that has has hurt us at times but even this I was in the car and I was talking to my friend and I was having this conversation of I heard, found out that, that I found out a thing someone was saying about me, and it wasn't true, and it was really hurtful, and I try to stay away from the circles completely now. I, you, I'm the, like probably the last person you'll see in the green room. I, I don't, I'm not really super fond of a lot of preachers, and I'm not really fond of the people that they keep, and not that I dislike them. I just like you've always taught us like that's not the room you need to be in. You need to be in the other room, and so I was like, it's time to go to war because they think they know things about me, but I actually know the things about them that are true. And that was when the person read me that, that verse about being unwise. <laughs> but, but how do you... So you were motivated to do the same thing to them that was hurting you that other people were well, doing no, to the, you. No, the difference is that I don't, I don't, no, I just don't, I don't, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I have made that mistake of judging people for sure, and people I probably should apologize to <laughs> for being in rooms with people I disliked and then calling them on it. You know, and I think that was the mistake of my youth. And I think when I hear things about other young guys or young girls, I, I genuinely do give them the benefit of the doubt because I know what I went through and I know that the, like the journey that I was on. And I'm not perfect and I know there's so much stuff, but like, but I, I, I always feel like I'm grace giving or I give as much like, okay, they're probably just like figuring their life out. They're not a terrible person. They're just in a season of like, you know, really trying to figure what, what it is that they want out of all of this thing, you know? And I think that's the huge thing with faith in the Bible and relationship with God is like, you always say the moment isn't magic. It's like you have to choose to keep loving Jesus and to be and to keep being changed by like what God wants for us in our lives. And <laughs> there was that moment where I had to go from like the journey that I had set on, it had to go from like being called to Jesus, a relationship with him, to actually being able to like build the character that could follow him, you know? So if you're gonna give a 20, 
three-year-old Aaron advice on how to step into a new life, what would you say to them? I think for me, oh, I'd say like first off, find someone who's much wiser than you and take, a, and take six months to a year where you're not making your own decisions, your own life decisions. Like really let someone who you trust set you on a path that will like direct you, like not to be cheesy, but, but like direct you towards a life of righteousness. Do you know what I mean? I think I was so like, okay, I got this, I can do it. And then so quickly and so easily I was distracted or deterred by whether it was like my old life or me not being, not knowing and having the motor skills to actually function towards a, like a actual true life of faith. Do you know what I mean? It's like the practical things. <coughs> Stay inside. Don't talk to girls. <laughs> no, but I, but I really do think like getting involved with like healthy guys, um, taking a season where you're fully like involved with healthy people who are speaking life into you, you know. And some people don't have that. Like they're like, hey, I gotta go to work, and not everyone at work is loves Jesus, mm -hmm. and not everyone at work is like a good person, or or not everyone at school is X Y Z. Like just try to remove yourself from as much as you can and be with positive people. And I think, you know, what's that? Like we went and saw that movie, <laughs> Glass, <laughs> me and you. And it was like the M. Night Shyamalan part where the director always puts himself in the movie. Yes. And he like refers to like the Unbreakable movie where he's like, man, I used to hang out with some shady characters in that place. <laughs> he's like, I turned my life around, positive thinking or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I had that thought, I was like, oh, but a lot of it was, was like who I surrounded yourself, like myself with. And you talk about that a lot in this book of like, who is your, who is, who, what energy do you like put out and what, what energy do you um, bring into your soul? Mm -hmm. And I think that six months to a year of like your new faith at 23 or 33 or whatever it is, is who, what are you actually intaking to your soul? I wish I had cut out a lot of the stuff earlier on of just what I was in, like inhaling. Like I know that when I wake up, the first steps in my day need to just be like praying, worshiping, and stepping into that relationship. I'm not, like what I stepped into at the beginning of my day before was just, I just was like, I wandered, you know? I'd go to work, I'd grab a coffee, I just, conversation started. Like I take my day to my own like, um, responsibility now does that make sense like you spend a lot of time in the scriptures a lot of time and a lot of that is like early morning like waking up at 5 a.m or waking up at 7 a.m and reading like if i have a moment where i feel bored confused lonely or isolated or i have a moment in the car in traffic i'm trying to read my bible and because for me that was a thing that set my life into a, like a course of actual health yeah i mean i think you read your bible more than i do in fact i'm certain of it but you yeah. remember more. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but you also pray a lot. I pray as much as I can, yeah. And so if you were gonna break down, what, what do you pray about? What do I pray about? Yeah, for someone who- well, A lot of it's been me lately. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt really guilty. I was like, I'm not praying for the people I need to be praying for. So I try, I have like a notes folder in my phone where it literally says, Aaron to God. Wow. And I just write, I realize that I'm so OCD that I would just pray for the same things again and again and again and again. And then I wasn't actually moving anywhere with my prayer. And so I was like, okay, I need to actually write out my prayers. And I write them out and, I, and it helps me with everything that, I, that I'm praying for. Okay, and so I, you're ready to tell us. So you read your Bible a lot. A lot. You pray a lot, mm -hmm. but you also journal. I journal, yeah. You journal, so you journal your prayers. 
Yeah, I write my prayers down, yeah. For me, I'm visual and I'm tactical, so like tactile, so like I have to like, like feel that I'm actually giving something, yeah. Because yeah, you, you, you are very open about everything that's wrong with you. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. A lot of times you don't actually share with the world everything that's right with you. Well, that's boring. <laughs> and uh, I just thought it'd be really helpful for people who are really um, inspired by you and who follow you to know you you actually take spiritual practices really seriously in your life. Very much, very much so now. But it was, but it was the, the journey to be disciplined, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, what do I do when I wake up? What are those, I think that's a lot of the things I think about. It's like, what's the first thought that I have in the morning? What's mm -hmm. the last thought that I have when I go to sleep? And I think in the moments of crisis, it really helps me, it determines what my first thought will be. Okay, so I'm gonna let you teach someone right now who's struggling with anxiety, fear, stress, and they don't have any peace. Mm. What's the first thing they should do? First thing they should do? Well, they, do, they buy the way of the warrior. Sorry, <laughs> that's a bad joke, bad joke. No, but really though, um, <laughs> we were actually talking about this, and this book is like, it's what I go through, it's what I'm going through, with peace and choosing peace, and, and but the, the first steps of someone who's struggling with, with that, with anxiety, I think a huge part of it is community, is get out, get out of your head, get out of your box, get out of your like car and like actually be around people. Like one of the, I, I like laughed the other day because I was in a coffee shop, I had sunglasses on, a hood on, a hat on, and my air, like AirPods in. And I was like, I am the most unreachable person in this coffee shop right now. <laughs> and like it's, I look so just disconnected and and, and uninterested in like what's from the barista to the people in the room. And I think so, like in this, I'm, I'm like, we're talking about glass and unbreakable, but like what is that Bruce Willis doing unbreakable? He walks into like these public places and, and he touches people and he like gets these moments where he feels these things. And, mm. I, and your whole book is about like, en like energy, not your whole book, but there's a chapter in the book where it talks about energy and what you receive from people. What do you bring into a room and what do you receive from a room? I think so many times I choose to isolate myself to achieve something that God has already provided for me in that place. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. That's really, really good. We need to continue this conversation. This is really, yeah. I think, really, really helpful. And maybe um, over the battle readies to come, we'll, we'll take different subjects that come out yeah. of the way of the warrior. Yeah, for sure. And have some conversations about real life. Mm -hmm. All right, so why don't we bring this one to a close? Okay. And uh, it's good to be doing Battle Ready again with you, by the so way. So good, I know. And, and we're uh, on the couch, and they'll notice what this couch, they'll know what this couch is for soon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, hey, Love you. see you next time. Get this book, The Way of the Warrior. It comes out very soon. See you soon. <laughs>